Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Hello and welcome to the WFNY Cornercast presented to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network and part of the Waiting for Next Year community. Uh, you will hear this tomorrow, uh, August 25th. I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, joined alongside just Mitch uh, Mitchell tonight. Uh, Farmer Ethan is uh, tending his uh, crops as that's what we kind of that's what we just say now, right? That's just tending his crops. Is that what you do? <laughs> Yeah, we should probably figure out some other things that farmers do. Yeah, I you would think that we would have extensive knowledge on the topic, seeing as how this is, I think, episode 23 of this podcast. And right. If we want to continue to roast him for it, we should at least change it up. 100%, 100%. But Mitch, you uh, you joined us after uh, taking a, a, at least a week. I don't know if it was a couple of weeks off, but uh, glad to have you back on the pod, so... Yeah, I think the one before that was just me and you. And oh, my true. internet went out a bunch and my TV randomly turned on. Yes, I, we, we did end it out, but it was like poltergeist in Mitch's house where all of a sudden I'm talking and then uh, his TV just randomly turns on. And uh, but Three yeah. times. It turned on the John Krasinski Amazon Prime thing. I don't remember what that is. It's but... Jack Ryan and it's yeah. a good show. Uh, I've never watched it. It has never been on my TV and it just started playing it automatically. Like, why did you decide on this TV? Nah, it's a good show. You should definitely partake in that. So, oh, um, yeah, there's too many. There are there are entirely too many. There um, are. We are currently in the middle of a Lord of the Rings binge at my house, so that's where we're at. Uh, kind of, kind of prepping for Ring of Power, kind of not, but you know, doing that kind of thing. Uh, if you are, if you guys are, they, are looking, for real quick, real quick, are they the okay. extended press? I, this is my first time through the extended cuts. Mm-hmm. I have never actually done the extended cuts myself, mm-hmm. and my wife has never watched them at all. Oh. So we are doing, Amazing. yeah, it's great. I was, I literally just texted a friend today and said, "Wow, um, extended version of Two Towers really highlights how uh, crappy Denethor is. Like you, you, you get it when you're when you see him only in uh, Return of the King." But then he shows up in that flashback in Two Towers. You're like, oh, yeah, you're just a, a jerk. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's great. Yeah, no, this has been a great episode of Gondor cast. Right. <laughs> Come on, check back in for more uh, Lord of the Rings talk. Uh, I do kind of want to do a pop culture podcast, but this is not the time to talk about that. So Some other time, because this yeah. is the corner cast. Darn it. Right. This is the time, though, to talk about our BreakingTea.com selection. Uh, As I mentioned last week, they just dropped a new Andres Jimenez Captain Clutch shirt. So go out and grab those. uh, BreakingTea.com backslash WFNY. It will take you to the Cleveland Collection. Uh, You can find your uh, Guardians gear, Cavs gear, Browns gear. uh, As we are closely approaching football season there will be more uh brown stuff on there i'm sure so this will this uh link the wfny uh end of that will take you to the cleveland collection show you all the stuff that's there uh don't forget to uh help that out and and check that out so um, but i heard matt underwood on the air the other day uh yeah called jose ramirez captain crunch or captain clutch wow i can't speak um and i was like matt haven't you seen the t-shirt 
We gotta, we gotta get him. We gotta get him one of those. I did actually hear that, and I was like, "No, that's Andres." Yeah. <laughs> Guys, come on! I was like, yeah, someone, one of our wonderful listeners should buy Matt Underwood a Breaking Tea T-shirt that says Andres Jimenez, Captain Clutch on it. Captain Clutch. Uh, there's also the Night Night Andres Jimenez on there too, which is also a really great one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Mitch, well, it's we- been a while since we've had a, a like normal episode. Uh, two weeks or three weeks ago now. When it was just me and Ethan, we played a game. I think it was you and me after that. And then last week, what we had uh, Justin Law on, which was a great episode. Um, we were able to talk a little bit uh, long-term prospects and things like that. But uh, we haven't really gotten into like the the news and notes and the storylines or anything like that. So uh, things that happened since last week's episode, uh, Nolan Jones got sent down to AAA Columbus. Sure um, did. He, uh, it's been reported that he spoke to uh, manager Terry Francona and uh, asked to prove himself at first base. So um, they uh, promptly decided to deliver him to Columbus so he can do just that. Um, hmm. I don't know if they, uh, where he played today. I know he started there yesterday at DH, did not start at first base. It's all just going to be. You know, it'll be something to track and see how much he actually gets play down there. There's nobody really taking uh, starts from him at first base, and it is a position that the organization does have a little bit of a hole in uh, if they don't want to keep Josh Naylor there. So it would be important for uh, Nolan Jones to actually uh, learn the position, and it's good for him to do it in Columbus. But do you have any more uh, uh, extended thoughts on Nolan Jones Coming down, Richie Palacios did come up. Uh, the the pinch hit extraordinaire, Richie Palacios, uh, lovingly referred to as Dicky P on our, our Discord. So, um, any thoughts You're on welcome. Nolan? You're welcome for that. No, um, it was you. I will give you credit. <laughs> yeah, I like Dicky P. It's a good nickname. Um, no, I uh, Nolan Jones playing right field tonight. Um, okay, but I, I caution people from using this too much. Like. If he's going down there and working on first base every day, then maybe they want to give him a few days to like get coached up before he integrates the tools into a game. Right. Who knows? Like we just have an information divide, and it's really hard to like read the organization's mind, and they're not going to tell you. Um, I mean, like they maybe they don't have a good reason for it. They're just like, all right, whatever. But I tend to think they do. Um, regarding Nolan Jones playing right first base, I don't know. I mean. That kind of locks Josh Naylor into a into a DH spot, which is kind of didn't we weren't we just all talking about how like how much we love not having a professional DH? Yes. Um, so yeah, so I'm not sure that he's going to end up playing that much first base, but it is good for him to say like, oh, I can play first base, I can play right field, I can DH some. That would would be good for him getting um, PAs. So not Absolutely. a bad thing. It's just like I'm not sure how important it is that he learns to be a great first baseman. Right, and we, we've been talking on the podcast for a while. Look at what te- the good teams do. The Dodgers don't have anybody that plays a position more than, like, two or three times a week, you know? Uh, these guys are moving all around constantly, moving around at different positions and things. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good to have these guys, you know, getting started somewhere else and uh, just building out the, the value chart a little bit more. Right, even... I mean, okay, it makes sense to have a full-time DH when your guy is David Ortiz, Edgar Martinez, right? Like, like insanely good hitters. Like, 
50% right. above league average. Then it's like, all right, we're willing to cede this spot to a guy who can't do anything else. But like, yes, if you even the Astros who employ the best DH in, in Major League Baseball, uh, who just roped a double into left field off the Twins. Um, yeah. <laughs> get get he, him, Jordan. Jordan Alvarez. Um, he, wow, he really docked it in a second. No, he plays left field uh, probably about 40% of the time. So like, yeah. even the best DH in the league plays in the field sometimes for a smart team. Right. Yeah. That's it. If Josh Naylor hit like really, really well, he can be the full-time DH. DH, right. totally fine. Right. Yeah, the only time you, and like you said, like Otani plays DH, but that's because he's a pitcher. Like, right. so, you know. Yeah, he's he's giving them some other value. Right? There's a, there's, let's not start, you know, referencing unicorns here. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, and, and even then when Fred Mill was, when Fred Mill was hot, you were okay with putting him at DH because he was a guy that you could expect that out of. When it came, when it, went away it went away and now it's nice to have that spot to you know rotate oscar rotate jose a day off rotate um you know nolan jones in or uh and give josh naylor time to rest his leg since he's walking around like a pirate out there so at the very worst just like give another guy pas that day right yeah I mean, Oscar can stand to play DH with some regularity. He's not hes not exactly like Roberto Clemente in right field. Yeah, you know? I, I, I have no i have no qualms about Oscar being the uh, being a DH on, on, on days. So I think I think Nolan is a little bit better as a better defender in right field. So it's probably where he will end up being personally. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Also, last note on Nolan Jones. Um, he just he wasn't also he like. It's not like he was amazing. It's not, he wasn't very good in the majors. Like, he didn't. Um, he didn't exactly like. And, and obviously, what did he have? Ninety plate appearances or something like that. Um, Ninety-four plate appearances. But yeah, he didn't. He didn't exactly force the issue. Yeah, the the Oscar return from injury really kind of pressed uh, him on at bats and and plate appearances, and so. Yeah, if he, if he's gonna get more run in, in in Columbus, let him have more run in Columbus. Let him try to figure out first base so that way we don't have to watch Owen Miller do anymore. Right, and then if he's down there like walking in eighteen percent of his plate appearances and hitting dingers, it's like okay, call him right back up. Right, that's yeah. a guy who can help a playoff team, which For is sure. what this team is. Surprisingly enough, this is an also this is a uh, a, a playoff team, uh, yes. and that leads us into our uh, our next thing. 19 and 12 since the All-Star break. Uh, it seems as though they're actually getting by on their pitching. Um, uh, we have on the rundown here uh, 3.21 FIP, which is the second in Major League Baseball. 5.5 F4, which is third in Major League Baseball. Um, an 18.5 K, per, uh, K to walk rate, uh, which is second in Major League Baseball. All of these things are from the All-Star break. Uh, so, Mitch, the pitching has been great. Has it been the starters or the relievers that are really kind of doing the doing the thing? What is it? Is it on the back of, you know, Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, or are we seeing the bullpen actually step up when we all kind of thought that it was 
the uh, the weaker point on this roster heading yeah. into it. You know what's funny is I put this together, and then it seemed like every single Cleveland Guardians Twitter account started tweeting about the bullpen today. It was really weird. Like we have a hive mind. I don't know that you knew this or not. But yeah, all of all of Guardians Twitter found this thing at once that the bullpen has been absolutely insane this year. Like it is hard. It no one. I don't know. People don't give a credit. People love Stephen Kwan. People love uh, Andres Jimenez. Rightfully so. Like these are young players who play every day and have broken out in a big way. Really exciting. But I just want to remind everyone that coming into the season, we all thought um, that the bullpen was, you know, full of question marks. We had no idea what to expect. I, I remember Zach Meisel writing lots of words, spilling tons of ink on that topic. And I know uh, Michael Bodie in our Discord is has been saying up oh, or like right around the trade deadline was saying, you know, Guardians should have traded for a, a new reliever. Well, it turns out like this relief core is pretty darn good. Uh, every stat from today's podcast is before today's game when the Guardians uh, shellacked uh, San Diego 7 nothing. Um, shellacked is such a good word. Thank you. It, it really and I feel is. like it was a shellacking. Like it was a, it, it was really was. Yeah. It was, and it wasn't. It was all in that one inning where they scored five. I mean, like there, there was a couple home runs before, but it was like, it's that's always interesting to me as a I and tend to fall asleep before the games actually end more often than not, especially on the West Coast. And when I get to see that there's like all in one inning, I'm like, oh, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, what happened was Jose Ramirez like maybe figured some stuff out. Hopefully, God, if Jose Ramirez heats up right now, can you imagine? Like right. Jose Ramirez hitting homers plus this bullpen, um, you know, blanking opponents every single day. I mean, since the All-Star break, um, let's see, where is it? Since the All-Star break, uh, James Karinczak, Sam Hentges, uh, nor Nick Sandlin has given up a run. Uh, Nick Sandlin <laughs> nor Emmanuel Classe has walked a batter. Um, like, you can... James Karinczak has struck out almost half of the batters he's faced, and Trevor Steffen isn't far behind that. Like, these are video – like, it's a cliche to say, but these are video game numbers. Like, this is not what we expected. And, you know, if Jose Ramirez is, is hitting now, and Andres Jimenez is now a star second baseman, like, and this bullpen is not giving up runs, like, I like I liked that recipe right there. Yeah, like it, I, it 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 uh, it bodes well for postseason uh, ability. You know, when we were talking in our Discord about you know setting up a a playoff rotation, a postseason rotation, and you know that's something that we didn't think we were going to definitely not think we we're going to do going into the year. But uh, with you know you can you can shorten up the relievers, the, the starters rather. And especially with the with the bullpen pitching as well as it has, it, it definitely makes you look it makes take shape, makes you look at some things a little differently. So Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we can get into the specifics, but I kind of went through it like I mean, I we should start with Emmanuel Classe, right? I mean, Emmanuel Classe is you know what's crazy is that closers rarely have like high approval ratings, even if they're fine. Like, even if they're good, I feel like you know 
someone doesn't like them, either the sabermetric type or the, you know, like my dad's generation, someone doesn't like a reliever or a closer. And Emmanuel Classe is, I feel like the closest thing, certainly since Andrew Miller, to like a unanimously beloved relief pitcher. And, and you know, uh, Andrew Miller didn't close the games. And I'm, I think closing is kind of silly, but regardless, it just feels different with Emmanuel Classe. It just feels like so impossible for the other team to do anything. Well, when you're throwing 100 miles an hour, 101 with his with the movement that he has, it uh, it's it's just ridiculous. But yeah, and yeah, I do agree with you. I was thinking through. I'm like, well, there was Rivera, but and then the knock on him was that he had just one pitch. It was one of the best pitches ever, but it was well, one pitch. yeah. Rivera is like a, one of the rare examples, I'd say, of people. Right, but it's like I yeah, his entire career. I mean, right. I'm trying to think like who else has really been beloved his entire career as a as a closer trevor hoffman i mean i don't know i didn't follow the padres closely when i was a kid yeah yeah i don't really know i mean i don't think there's when i think of closers uh, like aroldis was he probably was for a while but now he's not and he also has to deal with the yankees fans like he blows yankees fans and just the general general public not liking him as much as for reasons uh, yes. That are obvious. No, yeah, he is a hard person to root for. Yeah. So I mean, uh, but yeah, there's. I think Rivera, aside from just being a Yankee, like that was everyone. He was pretty much beloved, and, and I think people respect him, even people who hate the Yankees. Yes. Yeah. I think it was different from Jeter, where it was like, Jeter was Jeter was good without a doubt, but he was never great at anything, and so I think that was kind of like. One of the, I disagree like, strongly, but we don't need to get into it. Yeah, I loved I I loved Derek Jeter when I was a kid. Like, Jeter was good for aesthetics. He was not a good fielder, but he like you a shortstop who can hit as well as he can hit is like very very valuable. Yeah. And he's like he is not like a you know like a fake Hall of Famer who got in. No, I don't. I, I'm not saying that either. I I'm not. I more so just was like there were there will be and forever be people that will tear down Jeter For because sure. of his stats. But, but also, yeah. he was a Yankee, so it's, yeah. you know. Let me read you his WRC pluses from 1996 to 2009. 106, Here. 110, 128, 156, 133, 130, 116, 129, 117, 129, 138, 125, 109, 130. Like, you're a shortstop putting up that kind of production. Like For sure. You're all a favorite. Like, that's just how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> This has the, been the weirdest episode of the Guardians cast forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's no, it's totally good. It's all good, man. It is absolutely fine. I'm good with it. I, I, I love I love weirdness, so it's good. Good. But, yeah, the bullpen has been absolutely great. Uh, I, I'm amazed that they're doing as well as they have because I definitely thought they should have gotten a pitcher, but they really seem to be doing the, like, Karinczak is is basically the acquisition, you know. Like he came back shortly before, shortly after the uh, the trade deadline, and has been lights out. Sam Hentges has been pitching great. You know, finding yeah. Eniel De Los Santos um, is ridiculous, and uh, and doing all those things. So, I want uh, one one thing about Emmanuel Classe that people don't appreciate. Like, dude throws. 
Okay, actually, that was a terrible, that was a terrible speech because I was going to say, dude throws 100 miles per hour, and that's what everyone appreciates about him. But what no one appreciates about him is that he doesn't walk anyone ever. Like amongst qualified relief pitchers, he is he has the third fewest percentage of walks per per uh, batter faced in in Major League Baseball. Um, that is not that should not be possible for someone who throws as hard as he does. So like when people you know, maybe worry or wonder why he doesn't strike out as many guys as he does. I mean, it's part of the fact that he does he never walks anyone. Like people know the ball's gonna be in the strike zone. He's like, hey, hit it. And he still strikes out almost 30% of hitters. Um, but then they can't hit it when they do. They just like chop it in the ground and kill a bunch of worms. He's, yeah, you're I can say he he does so well with uh command and control and, and just inducing weak contact. You know, generally with those with the power guys, you see, you know, the home run to fly ball ratio is just astronomical because they're they're hitting it. They're if someone is able to hit it, they're squaring it because it's down the middle. And yeah. you know, but he's getting so much movement and and, and so much uh, accuracy on it on it that it's it's great to see that he's getting his. Uh, you know, doesn't get that hard contact on it. You know, those, guys, those guys are fly ball pitchers, you know, like right. Josh Hader. Like you see Josh Hader, like anytime Josh Hader loses, it's because he gave up homers. It's not because like guys right. string together hits on him. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's just like these guys are fly ball pitchers and class A is not, he is very much not. Right. Um, yeah. Which I think also, speaks to the, I think that speaks to the uh, sabermetrics being in on class A because when these guys get, go bad they explode and i think that just the the level of class a the the floor is so high hit pass moto sponsored by moto america is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you from candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. Yeah, you know. So. That's completely right. And I feel like he... I feel like the team kind of reached him. I, I remember Zach Meisel writing a piece. Our, our friend of the pod, Zach Meisel, can we say that? I, I'm good with that. He's been on. He's a friend. Uh, friend of the pod, Zach Meisel. Uh, wrote a piece basically about how, like, Emmanuel Classe kind of refocused and, like, I don't know. It, it almost sounded like he found purpose or, like, he got serious about it in the Guardians organization. And, and you know, when you – when, when you are super serious about it and you have the physical talent he has, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Some guys are just lucky, I guess. Yeah. Some guys can roll out of bed and throw 100, and that's uh, that's class A. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, my first movie in theaters was George of the Jungle with Brendan Fraser. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember Ooh. that one. Yeah, his catchphrase was George just lucky, I guess. And I feel like Emmanuel Classe should wake up every morning and be like, Emmanuel just lucky, I guess. Because, like, he's so physically talented. And he, I don't know. Anyway. In, in honor of today's weirdness, I went back and I was thinking of my first movie. And I think it was Land Before Time. Nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a sad one. Oh, very You're probably, sad. like, scarred from movies for a while. I, I am and was scarred <laughs> from that movie. The, 
that was that was trauma and counseling helped um <laughs> so uh but continuing on for pitching uh i want to talk a little bit about our the starters um bieber bieber i was gonna say bieber and mckenzie obviously have been great tristan ha was had that dominant performance 14 k's after giving up a couple early runs and just turned the turned the heater on yeah. but um aaron savale i haven't i actually did not look at his stats but i did wanted to mention just that he's been better as of late since coming back from the injured list in his three in his three pitches or in his three appearances since the all-star break uh he has a 2.45 era mm -hmm. and a 1.69 fit so yeah that's pretty good yeah um I I have always liked Savali, as I've said. I do like him as the uh, Turbo Kyle Hendricks. Um, I I question whether or not he's going to be a part of the rotation in the long term, but um, this year especially, I I I am a Cal believer. I know you have doubts in the peripherals, but. Um, Today's today's start was a nice uh, was a very nice Cal start, no, but um, picking between Aaron Savale and Cal Quantrill as your third starting pitcher in a postseason series is a uh, pretty tough decision. Um, I do think, as you probably do, they would go with Savale over Quantrill um, for the same reason they would go over Plezak. Plezak and Quantrill stuff plays up in the bullpen. And using those guys as like piggybacks or firemen role would be an idea. Uh, whereas Savale doesn't really seem to gain as much from moving to the pen. But um, any thoughts you have on Aaron Savale that I've uh, haven't already butchered? I think I think Aaron Savale. Um, I mean, he's been throwing the curveball a lot more since he came back, um, which has been really nice. Um, I mean, it's his best pitch. Um, anyone who's watched him knows that like his curveball is beautiful. Um, I think the thing about I go back and forth whether or not I think they'll start Savale or um, Quantrill. And to be clear, it depends on a lot of things. First, they have to make the playoffs. Second, they have to have a third pitcher in the playoffs, which is not a guarantee. And third, um, things can happen between now and then. We still have a right. quarter of the season left. So for all of those reasons, we don't have to make this decision right now, or Absolutely. maybe more accurately, they don't have to make this decision right now. But um, yeah, Savali, I think, is the better pitcher, but Quantrill has had better results this year. So it's like, do you prioritize like being able to explain stuff to the fan base if things go wrong? Or do you, like, because I think most fans who just like have watched the season would be like, Savali stinks this year. Quantrill's been good. Let's go with Quantrill. For sure. I think, though, if if they're making a run down the stretch, I think Savali is a part of that as well. And I think that's a little bit more easier to, to turn to. And, you know, for the reasons I mentioned of Quantrill being a reliever last year, having his stuff be a little bit more play-upable in the bullpen, if uh, you know, as opposed to Savali, so... Yeah. yeah, it's a good it's a good problem to have trying to figure out who's going to start that third game. I mean, it'd be as really said, fun. As Bodie suggested, and I think would be really fun, would be like 
you know, Savali two times through the order, followed by Quantrill one time through the order. Yeah. Because um, I think, like, Quantrill one time through the order, like, if he's feeling it like he was feeling it today, he just, like, had pinpoint command. Yeah. He was incredible. Yeah. And um, if he's feeling it, that's three innings. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're close to it. Right. Um, no, but, like, you know, we, I was, it's funny because we I was talking about it with Class A. He just decided to stop walking people. And since the All-Star break, the Guardians rotation, with the exception of Zach Plesak, has basically made the same decision. Um, Shane Bieber and um, – yeah, Shane Bieber's walk percentage starts with a four. So he's walking, like, between 1 in 20 and 1 in 25 batters. Um Savali, McKenzie, and Quantrill's all start with five. Uh, so he's, they're walking just a hair under one out of 20 batters they face. Like, that's nuts that they're all basically just, like, not walking batters anymore. That's – I don't know. Like – Yeah. I think I made I think I made mention of this in our uh, – on our Discord and public side that we're um, – the organization has seemingly been targeting control on both sides of the – both sides of the diamond on the pitching side and the bat on the hitting side and playing up power and velocity and, and adding that later. And we're seeing the, the benefit of that, that it's, you know, they're getting guys, they, they draft and they target with trades pitchers that are able to command the strike zone and, you know, don't walk guys can get strikeouts from other, other places, you know, right. with, with that. And then on the hitting side, they have guys that are, get on base, control the zone as best they can as a hitter, and don't strike out. And, and I think, you know, go ahead, sorry, I cut you off. No, but I, I think I think we are seeing the fruits of that uh, over these last, uh, over the, this season and into the future that uh, they're really just kind of making a market efficiency where people are, you know, going going for broke where, you know, we, we mentioned the relievers that, you know, they when they blow up, they blow up. When the starters, they when their arms fall off, their arms fall off because they're pitching up, you know, ninety nine every pitch, and every every pitch has, you know, seventeen inches of break on it, and, and you know they're they're minimizing the stuff that they have. So. Right. I mean, to be clear, there's no one way they've gone about it, right? Like they got Emmanuel Classe from a trade for Corey Kluber, like right. Local legend Corey Kluber they did not draft him Trevor Steffen they acquired from the rule five draft as a starter as a struggling 25 year old starter in the Yankees organization they did not draft him that said yeah I think what they've totally done is like they basically have decided like hey the league is going this way so we are going to go this way but we're going to draft like the best prospects in that like in that direction right like because no one cares about them and we can, and we have figured out a way to like make those pitchers better, yeah. and and that's and and it seems like that's kind of what they're doing with hitting too, right? Like they're like, the league is just obsessed with power right now. They're obsessed with power projection. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take dudes who have no power projections and no one else cares about them, and just like we're gonna get the most elite contact guys and like Stephen Kwan and Tyler Freeman and like, you know, I mean. Owen Miller was supposed to be that guy, and 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 there will continue to be more. Again, though, there are other things, right? Daniel Espino, guys were scared of him because they were scared of his injury history, or 
or his ability to stay uninjured. Um, Guardians are like, okay, we're fine with it. Like, this dude is a child and throws a million miles per hour. Like, <laughs> yes, we'll take him if you let us. Like, we'll take that right. risk. And it doesn't always pan out. They did the right. same thing with Brady Aiken. Um, no one else wanted him because the injury risk. But guess what? It was for good reason, it turns out. Um, but yeah, basically they just decide like, hey, the league's zigging, so we're going to zag, and we're going to take the best zaggers uh, there are. And it's really worked out. Yeah. that's uh, You said it better than I did. That's my thought. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, like, I'm coming in hot today. I'm firing. You are. It's good. I, I appreciate it, as always. Do you want to talk you about Trevor Steffen? We can absolutely talk about Trevor Steffen. Go for it. Trevor Steffen got a Fangraphs article written just about him. That's a cause for celebration. Like that yes. doesn't just happen to most players. Um, yeah, and it's a good article. You guys should all read it. It's by Justin Choi. I like all of Fangraphs writers, but Justin Choi is probably my favorite. So you guys should all check it out. Um, but yeah, Trevor Steffen, you know, has been absolutely incredible this year. Um, he basically just doesn't walk anyone and strikes out well above league average in terms of uh, strikeouts. Yeah, there's not much to it. Like, he's got three good pitches, and, um, yeah, and he's and he's basically just become the second most trustworthy guy in the bullpen. Since the, uh, since the All-Star break, he's striking out 16 for nine, which is just silly. Yes. Um, yeah. Accurate. He's, yeah, his FIP minus, FIP minus, it's like ERA plus, but it goes in the opposite direction. It's nine. That means he's, his FIP is 91% better than league average uh, over that time. That's absurd. That's like, you know, right. basically better than Andres Jimenez has been since the All-Star break, which has been absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, Trevor Steffen, he's an absolute weapon. Like, this team, this team just got these guys. I don't know. How did it happen? Did you see it coming? I didn't see it coming. There were things that I definitely saw, but I don't know that we, as I Stefan definitely came out of nowhere as a rule five guy. I'll say we kind of thought this was going to be there. We were like, of, you can, you can imagine it. You can picture right. it. Right. You can like, you can, yeah, you can, like you said, you can picture it. You can see, you can see the, the thing coming together. It's like one of the, it Classe was one of those like, paintings where they're doing it and it's upside down and like when you're when they're like 90 percent of the way there you're like oh i think i see it and then they flip it upside and you're like oh and it's like that's where glossy was and you could yeah. like see it but it was it was getting there and and now we're we have the flipped over painting and you can actually see this the master beats that he is <laughs> what a what an analogy there and i'm 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 good with them that's my thing I, I want to say this again because I don't think it got enough play or people maybe didn't listen. People were just warming up their ears. Uh, Sam Andrews hasn't walked a batter since the All-Star break. Neither has Emmanuel Classe. That's silly. The All-Star break was over a month ago. What? How do yeah. they have multiple pitchers who haven't walked a batter in over a month? Yeah, I'm, just... a, I'm a big fan of Hench's. Um, I, I know he came, in, came up as a starter. And when they moved him to the pen last year, it was like, yes, it was this a nice is, day. This is this is where this is what he's meant to do. This is where yeah. he's at. 
And like, for whatever reason, go ahead. Miller did the same thing. Like not, I, I, Sam Andrews is forever going to be connected to Andrew Miller just because of the organization that he pitches for. So I, the, that is, he, he has to just forgive us for that. But Andrew Miller started as a starter and, and flamed out and became a reliever and became one of the best ones. And she's, I, I'm not going to say he's one of the best ones, but not walking a batter in a month, uh, you know, when you're used as often as the bullpen is, uh, that's a uh, that's a pretty big uh, stat. Yeah, no, especially when you're striking out 28.3% of opposing batters. And again, like, I don't know, like walking nobody is not necessarily like the best move forward long term because if hitters know that you're not going to walk them, that gives them an advantage. Like you have to be able to force them to try and chase. But on the, at the same time, like if you're still striking out 28% and you're walking zero, it's like you're doing pretty well. You're, you're pretty good at pitching. You're pretty, you figured out this throwing thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> figuring out that throwing thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, James Karinczak, I know, you know, a lot of people don't like talking about him. It's fine. We don't have to address that. Um, we can just say that he's been insanely good this year as well. And since the All-Star break is striking out half the batters he faced, he is the guy that came up last year. Or, no, that was two years ago now. Jeez, the yeah. pandemic. Um, yeah, no, he was incredible. And he has continued to be incredible. So, like, I mean, they have four guys right now. And, and Sandlin's been incredible, too. Sandlin hasn't allowed a run since the All-Star break. And he looks like he's really figured out his command. Um, which was the thing that was struggling. I don't know. This is, is this, maybe, maybe this just is the best bullpen in the league by far. Like I, I kind of doubt it, but maybe this, this is just like who they are. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, I have no reason to say otherwise. So they are, they are the best bullpen in the league. Let's, uh, let's go with it. Let's go with it until proven otherwise. Right. Never mind the fact that they all only have like 15 innings since then. Hey, that's not nearly enough. These but. are these are mere quabbles that we have, you know. And when Cody Morris and his uh, insane K percentage uh, yeah. comes up, yeah. uh, you know, we'll be able to 50% so far yeah. this year in AAA. He's been silly yeah. good. He's I, been silly. And likes to make fun of me because I just I I. His numbers are mind-boggling, and they're just—I've never seen numbers this good. I know I probably have, and I just have. There been on other teams, but I just have never seen a fifty percent K percentage. Like I mean, that was like what Karen Track was doing, um, right? But he's a, but Morris is a starter. I mean, he hasn't right. been going lots of innings, but yeah, um, yeah, he's getting yeah. stretched out. He's still he's still pitching multiple innings and not just three and done. And fifty percent still. Yeah, and he needs to do it. I mean, he's not as impressive to me personally as Karinchek was in the minors so far, just because Karinchek did it for longer. But like, like Karinchek, I just can't wait until he comes up to the big leagues and I can like examine his pitches and figure out like how is this guy doing what he does. Right. Like, we can watch him every day. Turns out with Karinchek, it was deception and like perfect combination of pitches. Um, yeah, maybe it's the same with Morris. Maybe it's something we haven't even dreamed of yet. Who knows? Yeah, whatever it is, let's just keep it. Let's just keep it rolling. 
and we'll yep. use the uh, and the team will use the miners as their uh, trade acquisitions. Yep. To Dan and to Daniel Espino and Gavin Williams. Right. Yes. yes. The 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 next the next wave. Man, so. can you imagine if like they both work out too, and they have like Bieber, McKenzie, Williams, Espino, and like so it's not going to happen. But say they're both aces. Yeah. Can you imagine? Right. And your <laughs> and your fifth guy is Cody Morris. Or your fifth guy is Aaron Savali. I'm fine with that. Lo Logan, Logan Allen. Your fifth, you know, like it's 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 rough. Even, even if it's Cal Quantrill, you you've called me a a cat. I'm the low guy on Cal, and even him as the fifth starter with those four guys, like let's go. Right, for sure. Okay, I think it's time we talk about some hitters. So yeah. uh, hitters, come on. It's it is half the uh, it's 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 half the team. So. Yeah, people also just like hitters more, so we should probably yes. talk about them. There's just I, I don't quite know why we talk hitters more than pitchers. I think it's because they play nine innings. That's a good theory. I like that. It's at least yeah, you see it and you see them every day. Right, it's the same guys. You can like we talk about Class A, but even even then, he's only going to pitch at most five times a week, four yeah. times a week maybe. Yeah. So, like, you see Jose in the lineup every day. You see Andres in the lineup every day, except for when he sits. And also, scoring's just cooler than not scoring, you know? Right. So it's like there's not that much to it. Right. Like, um. So, Jose, you mentioned Jose is maybe getting back, maybe getting right today, uh, with the with the two home runs, and he's been on a little bit of a tear. Uh, in these, these last uh, about a week or so, but yeah, uh, a really good game in Toronto. Yeah, since the All Star break, Jose is sixth on the team in position player F war, uh, and the team is still nineteen and twelve. Um, who or what is helping the hitters keep this up in such a way, and and who is uh, leading the pack on on some of these uh, while Jose is still scuffling, whether it be Injury-wise, whether it be getting lost a little bit, you know, sometimes you, sometimes this happens where you, you just lose a little. But uh, yeah. you know what what is what is keeping the team afloat here offensively? While Jose yeah. Gray. Well, okay, there's a lot of things that are keeping it afloat offensively. They have a lot of guys who are hitting right now. Uh, but one thing that maybe isn't getting enough attention is the fact that the catchers have actually been hitting decently um since the all-star break austin hedges has been walking in 14.1 percent of his plate appearances obviously that's like subject to random chance like if guys are just throwing in more pitches out of the strike zone he's going to walk more um but um yeah he's been like downright like solid you know as a defensive first catcher like hitting having a 328 on base percentage kind of rules um, and Luke Maley in a backup role, so only 44 plate appearances, uh, not including today. And he was good today. He's batting 350-409-550 since the All-Star break. So this is pretty cool. Um, and he, again, added to that today. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he had, I think, two hits. Yeah, um, I know he had an RBI today. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the catchers being a, a probably, I don't, I can't combine them in my head, but I have to assume they're, like pretty solidly above league average in terms of their contribution since the all-star break is pretty cool. And like a big part of this, 
instead of being just like abominable. Um, right. But obviously, I mean, taking, no one, yeah, taking auto outs, you know, get, or giving the giving the opponent opponent opposing team auto outs at the bottom of the lineup is yeah. is just hard. Yeah, and, I mean, it just makes that. the lineup one longer. Right. Yeah. Uh, and 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 straw hopefully. I don't know. He seems. He's he looks like there's some life there. Like he had a good game today. He was, but he has not been good. He has not been a part of this. I have not answered your question fully. Um, the best player on the team since the All Star break has been Andres Jimenez. He has been absurdly good since the All Star break. He has a 181 WRC plus. That's a 340, 417, 557 batting line. Um, yeah, he's hit five homers. He's been so good. Um, I, I don't know what else to say about him. Like, he doesn't strike out very much. He's been walking more. He gets hit by a lot of pitches. And he can use the whole field while also driving the ball. He imparts a beautiful spin on the ball. It carries like crazy. Um, there is just, like, nothing not to love about the way Andre Jimenez is playing right now. And he consistently makes a play every game where it's like, that saved the team runs potentially. Right. Yeah. We were uh, uh, discussing, I was looking at some of his fangraph stuff, just trying to make sense of it. And uh, I pointed out his, his ISO, uh, which would be just like the difference of uh, average to slugging uh, was up almost 60 points. His batting average from last year was up almost 90 points and he has a really high Babbitt, but he's, He's just making good contact on the ball. And it's not that he has great contact. He's just making good contact. Uh, and, and so it's wow. it's it's just so – it's one of those things. And uh, I joked with you uh, in the uh, our, our pre-show last week on the podcast, uh, Justin Lotta brought up that Tanner Bybee, when he was uh, working on things, said he just wanted to throw harder. And that's where he saw this uptick in uh, velocity – um, and there was some context added. Ethan actually highlighted that in an article that he wrote this week, uh, Farmer Ethan's Almanac. So uh, even he is leaning into it now. Um, but uh, Tanner went and worked with Driveline and actually did add to his velocity through the, their, their methods and things. But it really just seems like Andres just said, I'm going to make good contact and just went out and made good contact. That's kind of, you know, and, and like it, his contact percentage is up. Like he is making more contact with the ball, mm-hmm. but it's not like he's making, it's not strides. Like it's not anywhere Quan-esque. It's only up 3.5% from last year in the majors. Yeah. So um, it's and, not like he's, and, and it's even down, like this year is not his best. He had a 76.9% contact rate when he was with the Mets in 2020 when he had his previously best career year. So it's not like he's he's not even doing the best that he has done. He's just doing better than he was. Right. In terms and, of and, right. And the and so yeah, just the contact is just a, a better quality. Um and, and uh you mentioned his barrel rate is up to close to almost a league average, you know, seven point eight percent uh on the year. Um but yeah, he's just—he's he, making good contact with the ball, and it's—it's it's obvious when you watch. He, he said he makes. There's a play every game where he's—he's he's doing something and just putting his uh, his stamp on the season as a legitimate star. Yeah, 
I mean, there's nothing. It's hard to, yeah. It, there's nothing in the stats that are like, okay, now he's just hitting the ball good. He wasn't hitting the ball good before, now he's hitting the ball good. Um, but yeah, that's exactly right. Like, there isn't that much to it. I mean, if you want to be a little more, um, like, detailed, maybe some change that he's had is that he is, like, absolutely destroying off-speed pitches this year, specifically sliders and change-ups. Hello. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, yeah, he was a good slider hitter last year, but not this good. And change-ups, he, he didn't hit well last year, and now he is. But he's also hitting the fastball well. It's not like he's struggling against the fastball. He sometimes has trouble catching up to it because I do think he, like, actually does attack off-speed pitches more uh, than maybe most hitters do. So so if a, a pitcher catches him sitting on the off-speed pitch, um, you know, then he can blow the fastball right by Jimenez. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just been really fun to watch. And he, he, he plays the game with so much joy. I mean... I, I, I say that, and then I realize that's exactly what we all said about Lindor, uh, and I didn't mean to do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I he mean... Just, <laughs> he's likable. He's a likable yeah. guy. I don't know. Um, it's wonderful. It's. I mean, I, I appreciate what Ahmed Rosario has done for the Guardians this year. He's been good. But I'll be kind of sad if Andres Jimenez is the second baseman the rest of his career, and I think he probably will be just because... He has been so good this year that they're going to be like, all right, this is it. We're not changing anything. Just recreate last year. I, and I can't even necessarily blame the organization for doing that either. When you yeah. have Tyler Freeman and, and Brian Rocchio that are coming up and Brian Rocchio, you know, mashing in, in AAA now. He just got promoted. But, uh, you know, these guys are the, are the future at shortstop. And to have... Andres is doing as well as he's doing at second base. It's just great. So. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to see Rokia for sure. Right. I think another guy that uh, is doing uh, good things and, and keeping the offense going, uh, Stephen Kwan, um, you have it yeah. written down. Uh, is he the best full-time left fielder in baseball? Yeah, and I wrote that, And to that, I say I, I want to also bring up Again, friend of the podcast, Zach Meisel, uh, had a really nice uh, Stephen Kwan piece. Um, you could argue the aesthetics of Stephen Kwan's game compared to uh, today's hitters that are, you know, more power heavy. And we've talked about how the organization is going. It seems to be trending that way to, to Kwan's strengths. But uh, Zach unearthed a stat that I thought was interesting. Uh, Kwan has 16 uh, defensive runs saved on the year. Nobody at any position has more. Uh, he's tied for 16 
uh, at tied for first uh, with 16 with uh, Nolan Arenado and uh, Brian Hayes, both of which play third base. But um, DRS and, and fielding stats in and of themselves are kind of flawed. Um, there hasn't been any kind of overarching like WRC plus to have taken over anything. But uh, it's, it, it's a good thing to be, you know, if, if it's better to be good at a stat than be bad at a stat. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, if you're tracking something like that, it, it's to be the best and, and be better than anybody else is, is really great. Yeah, right. It's hard to knock him for it. You can't be right. like, Man, defensive stats don't matter in this small of a sample size. So he's bad. No, you can't say that. I mean, leading the league in a thing is good or neutral at worst, but probably good. Right. If you look at Fangraph's depth charts um, and just look at left fielders, they have the Guardians at sixth most war projected for the rest of the season. So the five teams um, that have more left field projected war are the Astros, number one, Jordan Alvarez, right. even playing half the at-bats or half the plate appearances in left field uh, is the best. Then Christian Yelich, I don't know why they're still so high on him. Tyler O'Neill, sure. Kyle Schwarber, whatever. Ian Happ, whatever. Then Stephen Kwan leading the Guardians in sixth. So, I mean, how, out, is, how much is Schwarber yeah. actually playing left field? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Let's see. Um, yeah, it looks like he's playing left field every day. I guess that makes sense when you sign yeah. when he's, when he's Bryce Harper when Bryce Harper's out and Nick Castellanos, Nick Castellanos has to play right field or DH. You know, right. Yeah, no, Kyle Schwarber has played 102 games in left field and 14 at DH. So he is their full-time left fielder. Okay. Yeah, good sure. to know. Cool. Uh, that's probably a bad strategy, Phillies. <laughs> it's, not, it's not what you want to do. Yeah. I wonder. It makes sense now why people were talking about how bad the Phillies' defense is, was going to be. Right. Um, no. Um, but if you just look at, um, like, if you click left field on the Fangraphs <laughs> leaderboards, um, they have Jordan Alvarez first, um, and they have Jeff McNeil second, and I guess Jeff McNeil plays a decent amount of left field. Um, he plays, he's played 31 games in left field, so that's enough to qualify him as a left fielder for Fangraphs. But if you want a guy who plays left field every day, uh, there hasn't been a better one this year than Stephen Kwan. Uh, he has been the best everyday left fielder in Major League Baseball this year. And that's pretty cool. Um, left field is not exactly like there aren't any Manny Ramirez's anymore. It's not like where you put your best players, but pretty cool to have to, to be the best full-time player at any position as a rookie. Like, right. I mean, Michael Brantley made a living out in left field, you know, and yeah. had, I think he like led leagues and uh, outfield assists from left field. Yeah. So, just like uh, his, uh, his, his successor, Miles Strong, his outfield successor, Miles Strong. Yeah. So. Um, Stephen Kwan's been excellent since uh, since the All Star break. He is um, he has a one fifty one WRC plus, I believe. Yeah, one fifty one, um, heading for slightly more power. Still not much, but he's just been amazing. He's so good. We're lucky. His, yeah, his his power comes from the seeing eye doubles down the line. You know, yeah. which is fine and that's great. Yeah, aesthetically, I always love. Uh, he takes. This is me just being weird about baseball and loving it. Um, he takes such wide turns when he when he goes past first. You'd think that he would get picked off so much 
but I swear he is like halfway to second before he pulls up and sees that the ball's coming in. He's able to get back. <laughs> but I, I have you ever just like in your mind's eye, like when Quan is up, and just be like, I'm gonna watch him and, and just watch how mu- how wide of a turn he takes at first. Yeah, and just it feels like every time he's just like he says stretch this, and he sometimes does, and some and but most of the time he gets back. I don't know, just something I probably, really noticed. I should probably try and drive to Cleveland to go to a Guardians game. Uh, I, I want to watch him in person. Let me know when you do, and I will. Uh, I will join you. So. All right. All right. Um, yeah, Stephen Kwan's been excellent, and then your guy, the guy that you wanted to bring up, is. I was going to say you. I, you're going to give me a nice little leadway. Uh, one fifty-one WRC plus for uh, Kwan. Uh, I can do you one better. Oscar Gonzalez, one fifty-five WRC plus in the month of August. The 27th best in majors, uh, 385 Woba, 30th best in uh, baseball in August. Um, two big home runs in the last two games in San Diego. Um, he just absolutely demolishes the ball. And uh, I think you said it best. He was the best case scenario for what Harold Ramirez could be, where he just makes contact and makes it hard. And, you know, uh, just annihilates the ball when, when possible. And um, so it's it's just interesting to see because I, I don't know what to do with him. It, as, when, is the, when are the wheels going to fall off? Are the wheels going to fall off? Is this a flash in the pan? Is this a guy that, you know, the organization is going to go that – Let's put it this way. This is a guy that the organization felt so strongly about that they moved one of their former top prospects back to the minors to learn a different position. Yeah. But just there's think, a way to there's a way to frame it in that way. But you know also I mean? on the other hand, this is a guy who has left Rule Five eligible in the past. Um, so like it's tough. Like I, 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 to add to your point of like, when will the wheels fall off? Like, yeah, I feel like we've all been waiting for that because this was not a guy who was a prospect and it feels like was, as you've alluded to, um, liked internally by the organization more recently, more than he was nationally. Um, and like, he has rewarded them. He is, he, yeah, he, he swings at everything um, and he can hit everything. Like his home run yesterday, uh, the first game in the series against the Padres, he was so out in front of it. And I thought that too. I the last the the that six run inning that they had after they struck out, where he almost blasted a ball out of the out, and it was almost in the left handed batter's box. Same with last night's home run, where it was yeah. like down and outside, and it looked like it was a scoopy like fight to stay alive swing. And somehow it like it was a blast. Yeah. No, he had already landed. It was like he, but he was able to somehow keep his entire upper body back enough, and he just swung with all arms and somehow got it out. It was incredible. And then today, um, his home run was on a low curveball, right? If I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was. I'm just pulling it up here. I'm vamping. But yeah, no, he is like, he has been so consistently impressive this year and i don't know i mean like i believe i like reading um like national baseball writing i like reading 
um, like the prospect writers, but like, it's just an acknowledgement that like the best of the best nationally don't always know what they're talking about. The pitch today on the home run was a curveball, like at close to the knees on the inside corner. And he hit it into the top row of the factory in yes. left field. Yeah. Today, today's was a like double decker, like moonshot. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Jordan Alvarez just hit a, like a pop-up to left field and the twins left fielder, I think that's Nick Gordon, but I could be wrong, like went back on it and then dove forward and missed it and it got past it. It was, it was embarrassing. Um, Nick Gordon. Hey, He's we will, we'll talk about any kind of twins. Uh, yeah, they're down to one, by the way. They're so down to one in the sixth. Let's keep it, let's keep it rolling. Yeah, and the White Sox are winning five to one. That's it, you know. But hey, we're more ahead of the White Sox than we are then. Excuse me, Cleveland's more ahead. We're professionals. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, we're no. professionals that have talked extensively about Lord of the Rings, uh, the extended cut. Like People and, like that. People like that. I know. I'm absolutely I am I am here for it. Absolutely here for just weirdness. Because that's all I want to do. see, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> No, I mean, hopefully by the time uh, we wake up tomorrow, the Guardians are uh, four games ahead of both the White Sox and the Twins. That'd be a, a pleasant surprise to wake up to. It would be nice. Yes. Yeah, who'd have thunk it? Uh, yeah, I I did not expect to be August 25th and and maybe four games up in the division. Not, a, yeah. not, any, not in any ten, way. Ten games over 500? Yeah. Like, as I as I, I keep <laughs> I keep saying, when we started this uh, the podcast in this in the off season, we said success would be finding finding guys to stick on the roster, and we've done that. The team has yeah. done that, and um, the, the organization has done that, and and now we also get to see a playoff run, possibly you know, or at least a, a stretch run that's that's designed to end in the playoffs. Dude, so. and like Andre Jimenez is twenty three, like Stephen Kwan's something like twenty four. I mean, right. Oscar Gonzalez twenty three or twenty four. Like these are young guys who are going to get to experience the taste of October right away. Like, right, that is so cool. Like, if it works out, I shouldn't, I shouldn't jinx it, but like, have a chance to, um, you know, taste October this quickly. That rules, for sure. Yeah. Well, By the way, I think this, what was that? It's now three to one. Yeah. Go guards. Go. Uh, I don't want to say go Astros, but Cleveland guards. Boo Minnesota. <laughs> Boo Minnesota. I don't want to say go Houston. Boo go Minnesota. Cleveland Asgards. As Asgardians. Yes. So, all right. I think that's going to be it for us because I think we're getting a little punchy. But uh, for Mitch, for myself, for uh, the WFMY family, we uh, we say goodbye. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, 
toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, GenXGrownUp.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right?